golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We will fall to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G., along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club and Will Perry, our social media ace. Ace, that's a good one right there. It's always something different. I'm not really sure which one it's going to be week to week, so I like how she keeps me on my toes. That's right, and uh, wow, we have so much to talk about tonight. I Um, wish we had two hours. I wish we did, too. Maybe even three. And, uh, of course, we're on the eve of the 145th Open Championship over in Royal Troon, Scotland. We've got a lot coming up. We've got interviews from Scotland, Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel, as well as Jeff Babineau from Golf Week, who are going to fill us in on everything that's going on over there. So much breaking news over the last couple of days. And... um We have some breaking news of our own, which we announced last week, but um, we are very excited about this event, happy to be partnering in it, uh, the Golf Insiders, and that is the Golf United Charity Scramble for Pulse United, for Pulse Orlando, excuse me. We announced this last week, but now uh, the website is up. It's live. You can go to register at golfunited.org. Uh, we're going to have this on Friday, August 26th, out at Grand Cypress Golf Club. I know you guys love Grand Cypress, one of the finest, finest golf properties we have in Orlando. And uh, they have stepped up in a big way, donating the golf course for this huge event. Uh, we are looking for players, teams, sponsors, volunteers, a great opportunity to go out and play a wonderful golf course. So uh, you can go check all the information out online. That's golfunited.org, golfunited.org. And we hope you'll book your Friday, August 26th. It's an 8 a.m. shotgun. It's going to include lunch, a silent auction, and we're going to have an amazing after party, all kinds of special guests and live entertainment. This is going to be a golf event that people are going to be talking about for a long time for a great cause uh, to benefit um all the victims, families, and the injured from the Pulse tragedy. So we hope you'll come out and join us again, golfunited.org. So, guys, I know you're all excited as well for this big event we've got coming. Yeah, we've got um, we've got our head pro and our general manager from the Golden Bear Club, Ryan Thigpen and Jeremy Bullcock are going to come. Uh, trying to round up a few members that uh, are at the Golden Bear Club. It's going to sell out fast. I think we've already just since we put the uh, website live, we've we've got about a third of those those teams filled up already. Yeah, so. we're only taking thirty six teams. So thirty six teams, 
That's going to go quick. Yep. And uh, if you want to just get involved and, and donate, you can. If you want to sponsor a, a virtual a virtual tea time, you could do that, too, for $49 in honor of the victims. So we got all kinds of ways you can participate, donate, and make a difference. And uh, we really appreciate the support. Lots going on in the golf world, guys. Let's start off with the U.S. Women's Open oh finish goodness. on Sunday. Deja Open Voodoo, I called it in my blog tweet, and tweet. tweet. Oh, my goodness. Um, unfortunate finish between uh, Brittany Lang, not Bethany, Brittany right. Lang and Anna <laughs> Norquist. You know, such a tremendous tournament. Anna Norquist having an amazing Sunday, shoots six under, comes from, you know, behind, and then a three-way playoff hole to, uh, again, three-hole aggregate, aggregate, which which I love that versus a, you know, 18-hole. Especially since they get to play right then and there and don't have to wait until Monday to finish. Yeah, I've never liked the Monday finish. Me neither. Um, You know, there's the momentum and the excitement's all going on. All the people are there. Yeah, I mean, totally, totally, you know, I think that is is a great way to finish it. So do you um, guys, do you have a more a problem with the ruling or the way the ruling was handled or just, you know, for me, I didn't like, I didn't like, well, for one, you never want to see a player not really. You don't want to see a player go down like that. I mean, literally, little tiny clump of sand, right? Grain I mean, of really, sand. Is that really sand, a rules that is, violation? That is I mean, a rules I know violation. it is by rule, but you well, know. Well, you're improving the lie. Yeah. So by moving the sand, improves the the downswing. It can improve many, many different avenues. But you know, I think, like you said, it was the way it was handled. But um, maybe it should have come in after they had both finished the hole. Maybe it should come before Anna hit her third shot so they were on an even playing field. Maybe it comes after Brittany hits her third shot and now they're on the even playing field. I mean, there's different ways they could have done it. We're going to sit here and criticize them because it happened the way it happened and the way the announcers parlayed it to us, the viewers. Well, you also have to factor in, too, it was a, a member of the TV crew, the part of, part of the Fox telecast mm-hmm. that was the one that actually called it in. Any other sport, football, hockey, basketball, the ruling committee that is a part of governing that event is responsible. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the problem is for me is, you know, it wasn't someone who is actually a part of the USGA per se or, you know, put put them on a, on a time clock in order to, to them get them to resolve the issue so that the player can move on. Right, but how do they get to it? Because nobody saw the sand move. Only the people at home and on replay saw it. I mean, I see a lot of times where, you know, that was pass interference or, or that was a hold. How come he didn't call it? Can, who can I call? Can I call the NFL? Can, can I call New York right now and, and say, hey, 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 stop it, stop it. I saw something. No, you can't do that. But okay? that's, that's my point, right. though. Why, why, should, why should we allow that in golf? Especially uh, when there are, you know, there are officials, just like what happened in the Dustin Johnson situation. There are walking officials okay, but there's that only are one. there. So do they need more? Do they need one on each side of the golfer, one in the front, one in the back. And then do they converse? Hey, did you see that? I think her club was a little too close. I think she might have hit the ground. Like in baseball, you have a first base, you have second base, you have third base, you have a home plate umpire, you have four. Yeah, but you've got 18 holes in golf. That's the problem. But no, you and also four too, per what, golfer. What it, what I, I can, without really knowing, I can guarantee that that same infraction probably happened, what, maybe half a dozen other times on the golf course where – 
cameras probably weren't involved to be able to see it. You know, so how do you make that that justification for versus, you know, Anna Nordquist versus any other golfer that was well, on very, the very, very true. Yeah, yeah, I I would say that you need more umpires or more referees. Or so, just don't allow them to videotape those situations. I mean, which is uh, probably not going to well, happen. Well, you can't but. do that. But, I mean, you definitely want to watch the golfers. But I think that they have got some type of issue with the golf compared to baseball, basketball, and football. And, you know, basketball has more officials. Football has more officials. Baseball has more officials. Everyone has more officials. Golf has one per group. And what if he's not paying attention? What if he's like, yeah, I'm just watching, but I'm not really watching. I'm well, you're also de- depending on the players to self-rule or, you know, call penalties on themselves or because of the game being built on integrity. Right. Course. I think after these two opens, I think the USGA definitely has some things that they have to clarify in their next meetings going forward so that these debacles don't happen again and we're not sitting here talking about them. Exactly. And, and uh, again, an unfortunate ending to what really was a terrific women's major. And... um Unfortunately, too, that Brittany, <laughs> not Bethany, <laughs> then got called by her twin sister, <laughs> Bethany. But all right, people make mistakes. I'm sure m- maybe Diane was a little nervous given the fact that this had all happened all over again. And now you're in front of national television uh, with all of that going on in your head. Yeah, that was a lot for them. And um, but Speaking of a lot going on. All right, other topics. Okay. Uh, and that is these big uh, announcements or press conferences that have come out at, at the Open Championship over the Olympics. Jordan Spieth is out. Um, Matsuyama. Or, uh, Mats- Hideki Matsuyama. He's out. He's out. Um, Francesco Molinari said Molinari's today he's out. out. So it's huge. 20 now. 20, 20, 20 golfers. And as I've said before, you know, the, the difference between the golf and some of these other sports is the amount of time that these people are going to be outdoors, you know, with the with the Zika virus. But as Jordan Spieth, you know, uh, came out and said that it's not as much about the Zika L, uh, disease as maybe some other things. So what other things are there? We're left to question. Well, I think we know because Rory McIlroy actually... Mm-hmm spoke those things out loud. Maybe he's regretting the way he said them, but I I think, you know, Roy didn't pull any punches. No, he Um, definitely spoke from the heart. It was surprising because Roy's usually a little more measured about, you know, I think being a little bit more politically correct, let's say, because he certainly threw a bunch of people under the bus that I think have worked really hard, and I don't believe that's really in his heart. Uh, Rory does a lot for junior golf. He has his, you know, tournament in Ireland. He uh, his foundation benefits a lot of, you know, uh, programs for kids. So uh, I I don't believe that piece of it was uh, was probably accurate. And I think he probably wished he could have, you know, said that differently. Yeah. But we are going to talk about that. We've got two of our best golf insiders who we will be speaking to live from Royal Troon. Uh, Jeff Babineau from Golf Week as well as Todd Lewis are coming up. We've got tons to talk about on the eve of the Open Championship. In fact, set your alarm clocks because at 1 a.m. the coverage begins. I love it. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. Lots more golf talk coming up. Hey, Jeff, great to have you live from Scotland and Royal Troon. First, tell us uh, how the weather is over there, my friend. 
Well, it's a Scottish summer, you know, so you get a little bit of everything. Uh, we've had rain, we've had wind, we've had sunshine. We, uh, you get everything here. So that's kind of the cool thing about the Open Championship. Uh, you never know. A lot of luck is involved here and where you get the, what part of the draw you're in. And uh, it's always interesting. Well, obviously, speaking of interesting, lots of controversial comments coming out of the press conferences yesterday. We've been talking about the Olympics for several weeks now, and big surprise of Rory and some of his comments yesterday saying he got into golf to win, not grow the game. What kind of uh, feedback, pushbacks are you getting on all that today? Well, I mean, I think he's going to take a lot of heat over that, and it's, it's a little unfortunate. I mean, I think it kind of got pushed too far. Uh, clearly, he was agitated by the Olympic press conference, I think, the day before, where uh, Peter Dawson and uh, Ty Vota and Anthony Scanlon were in and, and made a comment that the golfers, they, they thought generally there was an overreaction to the Zika virus and guys pulling out. Um, and then kind of Rory fired his shot across the bow yesterday. So uh, that was unfortunate because, you know, I mean, we all want we all want good things for golf and and golf to move forward with the Olympics. I think Justin Rose put it well. He said, you know, his view this year was that uh, golf was skipping Rio and not skipping the Olympics. And, uh, you know, so we'll see how that all, all all sorts itself out. Yeah, and certainly as many of these things um, happen and are, are imagined, um, you know, yeah. all things don't fall into place the first time round. No, and, and uh, you know, if there was reverse, if we were going to Tokyo first and then Rio, it might be totally different. So, you know, who, who's to say? I mean, you can't, if you can't guarantee somebody's uh, health down there and there's an un going to uh, Rio, then you can't blame any of these guys for making a personal decision not to compete. And, and you know, the golf's a great unknown. If you're a, a doesn't matter if you're male or female, you never grew up thinking about winning Olympic gold. It just wasn't part of the plan. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think you can make the case for the men. It might be their fifth or sixth most important tournament of the year. But it might be one of those deals where further down the line we see it's, uh, you know, it's a big thing and it's going to be a nice, uh, really nice thing to put on your resume winning a gold medal. So it's just right now a little bit of the unknown and, and guys are trying to work their way through that. And, and we'll see, you know, come next month what we have done in Rio. I'm certain for somebody uh, like Roy, there's a you know a lot on his shoulders representing his country. I think perhaps some some of the players from other countries feel it perhaps a little bit more, uh, and certainly than some of the U.S. players where you know, we have a lot more depth. Yeah, we have a lot more depth, and uh, I, I you know it's just to me it's like it's been this building bonfire, and more logs go on. You know, it wasn't just the Zika virus; it's the busy schedule. And it's um, it's trying to sort out where the importance of the Olympics, you know, where do you prioritize them? Uh, it's a little bit of safety concerns down there and, and going to Rio and, and a government that's, you know, struggling to make ends meet financially. So and it's just all these logs get put on the fire. And then once, once a few guys said, uh, you know what, I'm going to pass, um, it was easy for a lot of other guys to jump in and say they're going to pass as well. And, and it's tough because a lot of people in, in 2009 and even before that uh, to lay the groundwork worked really hard to get golf into the Olympics. And we wanted to succeed and, and help grow the game in places that aren't mature with the game. And um, so, you know, you want it to be a positive thing. But, 
you know, hopefully we get a good winter down there. It's going to be historic. And, and once a ball goes in the air, maybe we'll all feel a little differently about it. We're speaking to Jeff Babineau, live from Royal Troon in Scotland, the 145th Open Championship. Uh, you had a chance to go out on the course today, Jeff, and uh, walk with Matt Kuchar. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that was cool. I, I went out looking for him because, you know, with uh, Jordan Spieth's withdrawal, uh, Matt went in as the fourth U.S. player on that Olympic team. It's kind of neat how the dominoes work. You know, he made a 15-footer at uh, Akron. You know, he thought just to finish pretty, you know, he's trying to finish as high as he could. It got him into a tie for third, and it actually pushed him from 17 to 15 in the world ranking. And in the end, you've got a fourth player if you're the U.S. because he was inside the 15 in the in the world ranking. So, he made a you know twelve foot birdie putt on the last there that was huge. Uh, he got the news when he was over here playing North Berwick the other days with a bunch of friends and um, it's just really cool. He's a guy you know he's thirty eight years old. He's really excited about the Olympics. He, he's really excited about the prospects of a of a gold medal and um, you know we hadn't seen him. He actually was playing off campus for a couple of days and today uh, he was back out on the course. So we hadn't really seen him to get his reaction to being on the Olympic team and he's very excited about it. So as we look to uh, players on uh, the top uh, top ten list here, in terms of the golf course, they say that the the front nine a lot of drivable holes potentially for Dustin Johnson. Uh, give us a little feel for who do you think uh, the course is going to set up best for? Of course, then they turn they go to the backside where they start off with ten and eleven. That number eleven, what a crazy hole! Uh, oh, it's crazy, yeah. An old par five. Yeah, the, coming in is just nuts. I mean, I, Kuchar was hitting, he was wearing out shots from 225, uh, 240, you know, into par fours, uh, 220 on the, you know, the par three coming in on, on 17. Just difficult stuff. Um, the prevailing wind here, yeah, you go out and you kind of have to make your hay. Dustin Johnson could have four eagle putts at the first six holes with a prevailing win, but they might get an opposite win, which will be interesting uh, on Thursday and Friday where they would play into the wind going the first six holes and then turn around with the wind at their back. And that's that's rare for this place, so uh, that certainly would be different. But it's it, when the wind blows the way it usually does, you get your score early and you really just hold on as much as you can because those the back nine holes are just brutal. Well, one of the things we love about the Open Championship, right, is that you know, you, you've got the, the, the um, pot bunkers, all that gorse, uh, lots of stuff to navigate, and you get to see an awful lot of creativity out of the players. Who's that going to, you think, benefit most on this golf course? Yeah, you need creativity. I think more so this week with the conditions you're going to have and the rain coming in and the wind. You just need to be solid, solid ball striker. So you look at guys who, who really strike it well. I'm mean, out there walking with Kuchar. He's a good guy. He hits fairways and greens. Uh, Zach Johnson. Uh, I think I like Adam Scott a lot this week. Um, so there's different elements, you know. I think you got to have a guy who likes to fight. I mean, you're gonna have to fight to to keep your score and just hang around par. And, and you look at a Jordan Spieth sometimes when he doesn't have his best stuff, but he fights and hangs in there. So, you know, I like I like good ball strikers this week. There's, there's not a lot of complication to the green complexes. You know, you can figure your way around if you're around those greens, but you're going to have some odd stuff uh, in the bunkers where you're, I mean, I watched Kuchar at a backward shot at 17, had to get up and down to make bogey. Uh, you just get some weird stuff up against these tall walls and 
And uh, you get stuff you just don't see week to week and, and different shots that you have to hit that you don't see week to week on tour. So uh, I think a lot of these guys see that as refreshing and, and really look up uh, and look forward to the challenge. And we get to watch it during breakfast, you know, have a little uh, mimosa <laughs> or, you know, a little java, whatever your, whatever your choice is. But that's part of the fun of watching the, the Open Championship. Hey, get in the spirit. Knock down a Guinness early. That'll get you going. There you go. That's that's my way to go. Um, so if you're, uh, you know, who who do you see? Do you see this being a, a veteran, do you think, that's going to be holding the Claire Jug? Or could somebody that's trending like a Scott Piercy break through? Well, they could. I mean, Piercy's a good ball striker. But I, I think of being a veteran guy, you know, you look at there was a stretch here earlier this decade where you had three forty somethings in a row win the Open, you know, Darren Clark and Ernie Els and Phil Mickelson. So I think experience at this one really counts for something. So you could you could see a Furyk or, you know, one of these guys who's got some seasoning or even Sergio's got a great Open record. Maybe he could break through. Uh, so you, you just find these elements, you kind of get the combo going of uh, good ball strikers, uh, guys that are mentally tough and uh, can hang in there and, and just kind of try and hang around until Sunday and see if uh, you can do it. Do you think it's the field or one of the big four, I'm going to call it now? Oh, wow. That's tough. I mean, I, I expect a lot of the big four, but uh, I don't know. That'd be, a, that'd be a good bet, the field versus the big four. Um, and it, like I said, it's going to depend a lot on the draw. You could have some strange flips with the draw, which you always have here. I mean, you're, you have golf being played from 6.30 in the morning till almost 4.30 with tee times. And you get, can get some strange draws. Uh, Cal Quebec, Mark Cal Quebec, he was talking about one year at St. Andrews where it went dead flat in the afternoon and 25 of the last 30 guys out shot in the 60s. So uh, unlike any other major, you really, uh, the draw plays into it, a lot of luck plays into it, the bounces here. And, and you know, if you think of all those factoring in, maybe you take the field against the big four. Some of the best golf to watch on television is going to happen in the next four days. Well, actually, I think uh, we start coverage at one one a.m. tonight. Nice. So we'll be we'll we'll be tuning in. Babs, appreciate it so much. Have a great uh, weekend weekend there in Scotland. And uh, before I let you go, who's your pick, my man? I'll give you Adam Scott. How's that? Ooh, Adam Scott. All right. Thanks, Jeff. You got it. All right. We'll talk to you. Bye bye. Hi, Todd. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time from Scotland. Give us a little take on what's happening there with the weather and the golf course. Uh, the golf course looks green. Uh, you're not going to see a fast and firm golf course. They've had a lot, quite a bit of rain over the last few weeks. So the greens are slightly receptive. I wouldn't say they're very receptive. Got a little bit of bounce in them. But um, you know, tomorrow's supposed to be pretty good. So when you guys are waking up in the morning and you're watching some of our action on the Golf Channel, you're probably going to see some low scores tomorrow. But Friday, weather's kind of uh, a bit iffy, to say the least. Uh, a wee bit nasty, as they call it here in this part of the planet. So scores probably aren't going to be as low, but I think they can go after it tomorrow. One thing we love about the Open Championship is all of the great creative shots we get to see the players have to, uh, uh, you know, create. The postage stamp, one of the most iconic holes. You've got some video up of Rory yesterday, I don't know, whacking it six or seven times to try to get out of, out of the bunker there in front of the par 3-8. Yeah, the poster stamp is a great hole. I mean, we're used to seeing – I mean, let's go back to the last major championship. I think 
I'm here beside my man Peter Jacobs. Peter Jacobs, you remember you remember the par three was 300 yards, one of the par threes at, at Oakmont, right? It's, yes, it was. And so now you got the postage stamp is a, is a wedge shot. 120, 130, somewhere in that range. And so it's cool to watch these players hit this shot. And let me tell you, there, there are going to be some train wrecks on that hole. I mean, it may be short, but there's a lot of danger around that hole. These pot bunkers are deep, revetted. Um, it's not easy to get out of, as Rory McIlroy showed yesterday. It took him six to get out of one of those bunkers. So it's a fun hole to watch. And it, it, if, you're going to, if you're going to be enticed by one of the holes to watch here at the Open, that's the one you want to look at. Speaking of Roy, uh, clearly a lot of uh, social media tweets going around, uh, things just kind of blowing up yesterday about the press conference. You had a chance to talk to Roy since he had his uh, comments and uh, to see how he's feeling today? But I did not talk to Roy today. He came out pretty early, played uh, 10 holes, um, and then got off the grounds uh, to rest up, get ready for tomorrow. Um, I kind of agree with what Brandel Chambly said. I, I was a little surprised, taken aback, that Rory made those comments. I mean, he could have come out and said it a little more eloquently about how he doesn't really think the Olympics may belong in the, excuse me, golf may belong in the Olympics. But you know, he kind of slapped people in the face that were associated with the Olympics. And, and it's interesting because it's a total 180 in, uh, in regards to what Rory has said earlier about the Olympics. Um, I think, I think, like Brandel said, I think he's going to regret those statements or that statement as he moves on in his life. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little—I was a little surprised to hear that from him, and he's catching a lot of heat here in the UK for that. I don't, I don't know what it's like there in the states. Obviously, I can only go by social media, but as far as tabloids here goes, newspapers goes, radio, television, um, he was—he is not being treated kindly as to what he said. Yeah, nothing more brutal uh, or honest than the U.K. press. I watched it live. It occurred to me, like, you know, that somebody had poked the bear. Like, there was something else going on behind that because he, he really seemed angry, very unusual for Rory to, court, to go off the rails. Yeah. And I don't know what the story is behind that. You can go with a lot of hypotheses in regards to why he said that. Um, but, you know, it, that's only Rory can answer that. I don't know if he just felt like he was being pressured from outer circles that he must play. I, I don't know if he feels like golf doesn't belong in the Olympics. Uh, because, he, again, as he said earlier, he said he's very excited to play in the Olympics, but obviously he's changed his tooth for some reason. So I don't know what it is. Um, but I just, I just think if he wanted to disagree with the International Golf Federation that Golf should not be in the Olympics. I felt like he could have done it in a better way. Usually he's very well-versed, very eloquent, very well-balanced with his speech. He, was, he, came off, he came off a little bratish. I mean, he, came, he, he looked like an elitist golfer, not only for what he said there, but also the fact he said, it's not my job, to, it's not my responsibility to grow the game. That took me aback, too. I mean, uh, because Rory has said in the past, too, that he wants to grow the game. So I, I don't know what has flipped for him. I, maybe we'll find out in the coming weeks or months, but it, it was something that was kind of out of character for the past before he said that. And if we go by, you know, actions speak louder than words, you know he has his tournament that he hosts. He does a lot for junior golf and um, mm -hmm. certainly is, you know, great with kids. So uh, I, I think his heart is uh, definitely uh, – 
you know, supports supports golf in a big way. Distraction for him. Not only are you going to be thinking about that, maybe remind of that in the post-round press conferences, but also, as I mentioned, you'll pick up a tabloid or a newspaper, and that could still be echoing out here or, or listen to something on the radio or on, on television. And, you know, I'm sure announcers uh, from not only the Golf Channel but also and NBC, but maybe Sky Sports, which is the European uh, – network that will be broadcasting. I'm sure that will be mentioned before he said. So, you know, he, this, is, this might be a difficult week for him mentally because there are a lot of distractions, and he didn't do himself any favors by saying what he did yesterday. And it's certainly been sucking up a lot of airtime, uh, you know, as well as, as print. Uh, so uh, let's get to the tournament side of things. Give, us a, give me a feeling of, of what you're seeing. Uh, you know, do you think it's going to be one of the big four uh, maybe a veteran like Ernie Els or Phil. What's your gut telling you? Well, you have to go by the fact that this is just the ninth time that World Tune has hosted the Open, and it's the first time since 2004. So a large majority of the players don't know this golf course. It hasn't been in the Open rotation uh, for a while. So on that, there are two things I'm looking for. One, guys that like to play Lynx golf and two, guys that have good form right now. And because of that, you can't dismiss Dustin Johnson. You can't dismiss Jason Day. Um, and there's some other guys that I, I'm kind of looking at. If you want maybe guys that are under the radar, not many people are talking about, maybe they should. Scott Piercy, second place in his last two starts. Patrick Reed, coming off a top ten finish last week on the European Tour at the Aberdeen Scottish Open. And Patrick is a European Tour member. He's played over here a lot, so he's used to playing Lynx golf, at least in this part of the world. Um, and if you want to go, again, somebody who's played well recently on Lynx courses and is and played well last week, how about, how about a wild card of Danny Lee, the U.S. Amateur Champion? He was a former European Tour member, finished second at the Scottish Open last week. The only guy who I would think about that, that played in 2004 here at World Trude and has also showed some signs of brilliance this year is Phil Mickelson. 2004, Phil Mickelson was one shot out of being in that playoff that Todd Hamilton ultimately won. And he, like I said, he has played well in spots here so far in 2016. So those are the names that I'm kind of interested in, at least on the eve of the first round. All right. Well, I know there's going to be wall-to-wall coverage on the Golf Channel. Tell us, our listeners, when we can tune in tonight or early this morning. Oh, either stay up late or wake up super early because we're going to be on the air beginning at 1.30 a.m. Orlando time or Eastern time and we're going to be on continuously until the final putt is dropped which is going to be around 4 o'clock local time in the afternoon so I mean that's you know that's close to 15 hours of coverage for the day and we're going to do that not only Thursday but also Friday and we're going to have extensive also on Golf Channel and NBC on the weekend. So we're going to have close to 50 hours of coverage of the Open. This is our first major championship on the Golf Channel, and we're sparing no expense. Well, we love the Golf Channel, and we love Todd Lewis. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. And give me uh, your pick for the Claret Jug on Sunday. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Jason Day. I think Jason hasn't won a major since the PGA. He's, he's hungry for one. He's playing really, really well. I, I think I, he thought he won it last year. He, he was so disappointed. I think he's got a lot of fire in his belly, and, and he's hungry for a major championship again. I like his chance. All right, Todd. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. Thanks so much, my friend. Stay safe. You got it. 
Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good eyesight, I'll be all right. I get my dentures shining. We're back with Golf Insiders, wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G and Kevin Sternett and Will Perry. Will, tell them how to give us some feedback on that Olympics. There you go. At the Golf Insiders, you know, we want to hear your thoughts, your opinions. We've got plenty of content out there. We have our Golf Insiders contributors writing a lot of articles for you this week on the Olympic situation as well as on the British Open, so give us your feedback, share your thoughts with us at the Golf Insiders on Facebook and Twitter. As well as this rules stuff that's been going on. Give us give us your opine on what you think about the USGA and how things have gone down in our last couple of uh, majors, US Open yeah, championships. I, I always love hearing what the viewers have, have to say. Guys like Ryan Thigpen out there. I know you're out there on the computer. Write us. Tell us what you think. All right, so we're going to check in with one of our favorite golf insiders. He was out there at Cordoval all last week and right there on the scene when everything went down between Brittany and Anna. We're going to go to one of our favorites who covers the LPGA along with everything golf for Global Golf Post, Steve Eubanks. Hey, Steve. How are you, Holly? Well, as I said earlier in the show, it was Deja Open Voodoo. Yes, it was indeed. I'll tell you, the USGA really can't seem to catch a break. It's uh, There was one thing they needed to have happen this week, and that was for nobody to see an official until someone handed out the trophy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I mean, you, you never want to know the umpire's name. Uh, and in this case, that's happened two majors in a row. Or, or, or have yourself on national television delivering that news to the player. Right. Yeah, exactly. That. You know, that, that, and that's the sad part about this. It was clearly a penalty. I mean, she touched the sand. That was, that was, there's no doubt about it. The timing is circumspect. But, um, look, it, there was no doubt that that had to be assessed. And it's just the last thing you wanted. You didn't want the official dictating the outcome because that's all people are going to remember now. And that's exactly what happened again. I don't know if you know the answer to this, Steve, but I, I know the – you know, what they were attempting to do was get the information and make a decision as quickly as possible. But I know, you know, Azinger came out and was very, you know, verbal about his opinion on this. And he was hoping that they would get out there sooner than later because he, he I think, already saw where this was going and could impact, especially Anna's shot, which, in fact, it did. You know, she, she might have gone for the pin knowing that you know, she was two shots down at that point. But in terms of the sequence of when they told the players, is is there any you know rule about that? No, no. And again, they had said earlier in the week, and in fact, I asked John Bodenhammer, who is the uh, the uh, executive director of, of competitions, um, about that. I said, you know, what do you what do you intend to do this week uh, to ensure that something like what happened at the U.S. Open does not happen? And his response was, we intend the second we have a, a, a ruling and a decision to get that information to the players as quickly as possible. So that was the edict from the beginning of the week. And uh, they, they did that. The problem was, I mean, they, get, they took, went out there the second the ruling was made. Uh, the problem was they hit the timing of the play of, of the sequence of play at that point. It was just out of order. 
And the, the thing that, that none of us really understand is you only have two players on the golf course. When you knew there was a potential problem, why not stop them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was watching it all unfold, and I was like, it was like I was sitting there cringing, like, oh, no, here it comes, here it comes. They're going to interrupt Brittany, and, and sure enough, they interrupted her. She put the club away. She got out of a different club, and then she you know, pushed it out to the right. Then Anna hit her putt and tried to go for the putt, and then ended up making bogey. It was such a debacle. What a bad taste in the mouth. And I mean, I understand where the USJ came in, but listening to the uh, officials uh, while I was, you know, they had the camera right in their face, and it was almost like they were giving the ruling apologetically. Like, we're so sorry. You know, this is what's happening. So sorry, but go ahead, play on. Yeah, it, it really was a... It was a debacle all the way around. And I have to tell you, having been out there and looking at USGA officials all week, I mean, they, they are, they're they're gun shy right now. I mean, every one of them out there look like a tornado survivor, you know. It's still, <laughs> <laughs> How is the, the RNA going to look this week if there's a ruling? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, those courses aren't flat. There's a lot going on with the the terrain out there and everything else. And they have officials from all over the world at the Open Championship, right, Steve? Absolutely. A lot of these USGA officials who were at the at this event this past week got on a plane and flew immediately to Scotland. Oh, no. On the grounds there. Oh, no. <laughs> they're reading up on their books, their their rule yeah. books, as they're on their way over there. Like, what are you reading there, sir? The I'm a USGA official. Oh, n- need say nothing more. <laughs> well, yeah. it, was a, it was a great it, tournament. It it was a great tournament. Uh, I was sad to see, you know, it, it end that way, I think, as everybody is. Yes, the rules are the rules. But, you know, what a fantastic, again, championship. Then the three-hole aggregate playoff. A um, little surprise at Lydia Cove. She had a couple blow-ups in the middle of the of the round on Sunday. But, as always, she handled it like somebody's been out there for 20 years. <laughs> She's amazing. Isn't it amazing? It's a very, very un-Lydia-like play. But, as I say, I mean, she played like – well, a 19-year-old. I mean, which she is. Uh, this is the one time where she uh, where she let something like this slip, slip away. Yeah, a little 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 bit of uh, leakage there on what was it nine and ten as she yeah. was making the turn. Eight and nine. Yes. Eight and nine. Gotcha. She made she bogeyed eight and then let that carry over to nine. Well, good uh, good win for Brittany Lang, of course. Uh, you know, go USA. And, um, Steve, we're, we're running out of time here. We've just had so much going on with the Open Championship, but I do want to get uh, your pick for the Open and, um, you know, what your thoughts are about Royal Troon. Uh, love Royal Troon. It's two different golf courses, downwind and into the wind. Uh, and, uh, look, I, I, I like Jordan Spieth again. I would love, uh, you know, I think he is, he's still seething from the one that got away last year. And, uh, I'd like to see him uh, make a comeback. I think that's a good pick. All right, Steve, thank you so much. Check out all their coverage on Global Golf Post. They'll be covering it every day with extra special uh, features. Global Golf Post, they're awesome. Kevin, quick, your pick. All right, so I'm taking the Marion uh, U.S. Open 2013 champion. Justin Rose. Justin Rose. All right, and? I'm going to take Dustin Johnson. DJ. Yeah, DJ. Well, I mean, that's not a bad pick. Who's your dark horse, Uh, Holly? Dark horse? Who's your dark horse first? Ooh, Danny Willett. And your pick? Ooh, gosh, I'm on the fence. You're going to take Sergio. Don't lie. Running out of time. <laughs> Sergio and Jason Day. What? You get two? Shoot yeah, I three. always get two.
No, oh. she took Day, Garcia, and... Well, I got Woodland. Woodland. All right, got... the Golf Insiders. Have an awesome weekend. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.